Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. This is, of course, your host, Sir Dr. JM. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at SirDRJM. And, of course, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcast Services. This is, of course, a podcast all about the wonderful world of Overwatch and everything going on in it. And in today's episode, I think we've finally found a recording schedule. I, uh, I've been playing around with when I record, and I've also been being lazy and forgetting to record and, you know, just putting it off and things like that. And I had kind of been wondering what would be best and kind of seeing how it fits with my schedule as well as, you know, schedule of games and stuff like that. And what I found last week was when I recorded on a Thursday, I believe, I was having a hard time actually remembering what happened in a lot of the games that took place the weekend prior. So I kind of decided, you know what, I think I like recording Sunday evening right after the matches of the weekend, uh, the Overwatch League matches, have finished. So I think starting today, I'm going to record Sunday evenings after the matches because that way I can cover all the week's news in our news segment. I can recap all the games that took place and that literally just finished. And then I can finally uh, look at the upcoming weekend's games and that'll be kind of a nice bookend where you know you listen to the podcast on a monday you catch up on the news from the past week you catch up on the games from the past week and then you get an, a look at what's upcoming as well so i think that's what we're gonna do going forward so i'm pretty excited about that because i think having a regular recording schedule will definitely help things out so in case you're new around here this is, of course, an Overwatch podcast where we, typically speaking, start by covering the news in the Overwatch world and everything going on there, um, everything Overwatch League-related, everything uh, game-related, um, or at least a lot of things. I generally don't cover the PTR and, and certain things like that just because I, I don't care too much to talk about that. Um, I don't think it's that interesting. However, things like the experimental card, I often will, because I think that brings some of the PTR stuff to other areas where we might actually, you know, uh, maybe one level closer to becoming an actual thing, I would say, than, than the PTR necessarily. So, without further ado, let's dive into the news segment. So, the first news story I want to talk about this week is some welcome news for all of you Overwatch League fans. So, a little bit of background to this one. Prior to this season, um, all games in the Overwatch League were streamed on Twitch, on the Overwatch League's uh, Twitch channel. How And because of that, there was a ton of integration with Twitch. So there were, you know, things you could unlock for the Twitch chat, um, commands and emotes, things like that, as well as for hours viewed of the Overwatch League channel and everything. As long as you were signed in and as long as you had your Battle.net um, account connected to your uh, Twitch account and as well as long as if you were playing on console you had your PlayStation Network or Xbox Live connected to uh, Twitch as well and Battle.net then you could earn Overwatch League tokens to spend on the Overwatch League skins in the game. And ever since the uh, Blizzard, I guess, Blizzard, Activision Blizzard, ended their agreement with Twitch and moved everything to YouTube gaming, all of that has been missing. So it definitely didn't feel like a very pro-consumer move. Um, felt kind of anti-consumer because we used to be able to unlock all these tokens just by, you know, watching games. And I'll be honest, I was known to just put it on and, you know, before I left the house and I would just let it play and then I would leave the house and then I'd come back and, oh, look at that, I earned 50 tokens. Um, and then, of course, I could, you know, buy skins and things like that. So that's why I have, you know, Vancouver Titans home and away skins in in-game as well as a couple others. And because of the changeover to YouTube, we haven't been able to earn tokens. Yes, of course, you can always purchase them with real money, but who wants to do that? So anyways, it came out this week. Um, April 10th, I believe, so that must be Friday. Um, the Overwatch League tweeted from their official Overwatch League account, We heard there might be some interest in tokens. Claim 100 OWL tokens, good for PC or console. All you need to do is sign up or update your existing info here. And then they have a link, overwatchleague.com slash en-us slash email. 
So essentially what they're getting you to do here is sort of sign up for their newsletter, I guess, or their promotional stuff kind of thing, um, which really I don't care about. Um, you know, that's what my personal email is for. So I signed up. Um, it did take a little bit of time, and it says in the disclaimer that you won't get the tokens right away. I think it actually says um, you'll get them on or after May 6th for some reason, which seems like a really weird, uh, weird date and amount of time that they're doing that for. A really weird way to do it when with you know, watching on Twitch with the integra integration, as soon as you logged into the game, your tokens would just, it would go ding, and they'd pop up there, right? So it seems a little weird that they're doing it this way, but hey, I'm happy we're getting some tokens, and I'm especially happy with 100, I think, right now. I have 216 left over from watching on Twitch and, and everything like that. So I'm excited for that. That'll get me a nice little bump up. And of course, once we find out what the San Francisco Shock... Um, championship skin looks like i would imagine i'll end up spending some on that because i didn't end up getting the doomfist skin for uh for sinatra's mvp um although it is a sweet skin and although i definitely think it's awesome i just don't play doomfist enough to really care that much about spending 200 tokens on that because especially because at the time when they released that skin until now uh, that was the only way to earn skins right or, or earn tokens sorry to spend on those skins so that's uh that's how I feel about that. But anyways, exciting that we're finally getting some more tokens. The next news story I want to bring up is from .esports.com, and this was posted by Rachel Samples. So I'm just going to read the article real quick, and it reads like this. Paris Eternals XE temporarily returns to Korea due to severe neck pain. Paris Eternal DPS Jung Xi Kihyo has returned to his home country of South Korea to undergo treatment for severe neck pain, the Overwatch League team announced today. After receiving treatment, Xi will return to play for the team once more. Quote, We inform you that our dear Xi has had to return to South Korea to treat severe neck pain, the Eternal said. Quote, Xi wishes to return to the competition at the end of his treatment. Paris Eternal did not specify when the DPS player is expected to return. XE joined the Parisian team in October. Parisian. Yeah, that's right. In October of 2019, ahead of the Overwatch League's second season. Prior to his time with the Overwatch League team, he played under contenders Korea team Element Mystic and helped his team win season one of 2019 Korean Division. Paris Eternal are currently ranked fourth, blah, blah, blah. Uh, if you'd like to know more about that and how Paris is doing and stuff like that, uh, go ahead and find that article from Rachel Samples on .esports.com. I assure you it's not hard to find. So, anyways, I wanted to bring that up because, um, as Rachel points out in her article, um, the, uh, the, the Parisian team said goodbye to uh, Damien Hype Souville, who actually announced his retirement from professional Overwatch. So, it was interesting that they've got both of these guys stepping away, especially because they did have games upcoming this weekend or at least uh one game i believe on saturday and it was a big game right it was against uh, the philadelphia fusion who was currently or who was at the time i think ranked third before those games happened before this weekend's games happened so it was a uh, you know kind of a big deal that xz one of their main dps guys was uh was stepping away but obviously for personal health reasons and everything like that you can't really fault the guy especially when i'm sure he's going to get better treatment back home than he would uh in america or at least he's not going to have to pay as much that's for sure so anyways uh hope he gets better soon hope we see him return soon especially with how well paris is doing and uh hopefully he can you know get back with the team and they can keep their train rolling now, the final news story I have for today, mostly because I covered this past week's news on Thursday's episode, I believe. So these three stories are just kind of, three or four stories, are just kind of leftovers um, that came up between then and now. But the final story I want to talk about, and this is actually another reason why it's good for me to record on a Sunday, is because this is about the hero pools. And obviously at the end of this one, I'm going to mention who the new hero pool bans are. Um based on uh, this week's announcements after the Overwatch League games. So without further ado, I actually pulled this from the Overwatch League website, I believe. Uh, actually, I pulled it from the stream um, of the games and everything. I just grabbed a screenshot of it so I could bring it up. So I'm just going to read a little bit of the details about the hero pools. Now, I did cover this in my last episode, but I just want to reiterate it because it is relatively new and it's, uh, in my opinion, fairly significant change. 
So it reads like this, Unifying the Hero Pool, and this is from Activision Blizzard. Overwatch League, Contenders, Open Division, and Overwatch Competitive Play will share a universal hero pool starting tomorrow. Two damage, one tank, and one support will be removed from play each week. Heroes with play rates above a certain threshold in high-level competitive play matches will be eligible to be removed. Hero pools will be determined by a new algorithm-driven system that compiles hero play rates from the preceding two weeks. No hero will be removed from rotation two weeks in a row. So that's just a little bit of a recap of the changes they're making to the hero pools, which I covered on last episode. If you're curious, my actual thoughts on those details and everything, uh, go listen to my previous episode. However, I'll just say for now, um, I think these are good changes. But with that said, the hero pool ban announced this week, um, or announced today, I should say, hours ago, for the week of April 13th looks like this. On the DPS side, we have McCree being banned once again, and we have Widowmaker being banned. Now, on that front, I'm not entirely surprised, seeing as McCree has definitely been one of the mainstays we've seen all season, um, with the exception of the weeks he's been banned. So I'm not at all surprised to see that. I think he had probably the highest uh, play rate of all the DPS characters. The second was Widowmaker, which, you know, a little bit more shocking, but not incredibly shocking. Um, and honestly, the two of them kind of complement each other. Um, it's not like you're losing a ton having both of them banned. It's not like, you know, if it were McCree and May or something like that, where you often see those two played together or Reaper and May, who you often see played together as well. You generally speaking, uh, aren't often seeing McCree and Widowmaker being played at the same time, just because obviously they're both, uh, you know, long range kind of hit scan characters. So that wouldn't make too, too much sense. So McCree being out um, is going to change it up for a lot of teams. Widowmaker being out is going to change it up for sort of, a, I would say, a lot of teams' mm, fallbacks or alternates. Um, you know, not necessarily their first picks, but ones that they often will switch on to if they're struggling or they will start a match in, try to do kind of a trick shot thing, um, get someone at spawn, and then we'll go back to spawn and just change off of that hero in Widowmaker. So not too, uh, not too surprising. However, I suspect McCree will, will mean we'll see, you know, again, a lot more May, just like we did this past weekend. We'll probably see, we might see some Reaper return. However, uh, one thing I'll talk about in the recap of this week's games as well is that we actually saw a fair amount of Torb, which was exciting to see. So I'm sure we'll, we'll see a bit more Torb again. And one of the combos we saw pretty often this past weekend was uh, Torb and Hanzo. So with McCree and Widowmaker out, Hanzo is the sort of third ranged sniper-esque character in that sense. Um, the only other one that I can really think of is Ash. And honestly, we don't see Ash getting played too often. Although, as I'll talk about again, we did see Ash played this weekend, which was exciting. So that's what that kind of looks like. Um, ultimately, McCree being out, I think, will make a decent impact on, on who's being played. However, Widowmaker, not so much. On the tank side, the character being banned this week is Reinhardt, everybody's favorite hammer-wielding shield. So again, just like the last time Reinhardt was banned, I think that'll be a decent a decent change. Um, you know, we'll have D.Va back in the mix this weekend, which means I think we'll probably see, in a lot of ways, we'll probably see Orisa Divas. Um, this past weekend, we saw a lot of Orisa Sigmas, uh, a lot of double shields, just because... Um, there was no D.Va to, to kind of, uh, I don't know, play that off-tank role. We saw a little bit of Zarya. However, I can certainly say for at least one team that tried to play a lot of Zarya, that did not work out, and I wish they had changed off that strategy. I'm talking about Vancouver because I'm a big Vancouver fan, and they lost both their games this weekend. But regardless, um, you know, Reinhardt will make an impact because I think with Reinhardt in the mix and D.Va in the mix, you often see Reinhardt D.Va. Um, D.Va back in the mix, now Reinhardt's gone, I think we'll still see a fair amount of D.Va because she is a strong, versatile character, especially at countering some of those other characters, um, especially some of the, the more long-range characters, um, and especially, you know, characters like Farah. However, um, ultimately, I think teams will, will work around that by having, you know, an Orisa um, being their shield with with the diva we'll probably see a little bit of sigma with the diva although i think sigma is a lot less useful um especially compared to the end of the previous season when he was sort of one of the meta main tanks being played all the time so that brings us to our final 
uh, Hero Pool Ban of the Week. And this time around, the support character being banned is Brig. Um, I think from what I saw on the play rates, she was the absolute highest, and she was the only one that actually qualified to be banned uh, based on, on amount of play and everything. So because of that, she was banned. It was, it was a, you know, no contest kind of thing. Um, that said, do I think that'll make a huge impact? Not a huge one. You know, there were certain teams that liked to have her in their lineup or switch on to her mostly as a counter to other characters, but I don't necessarily think that she was necessary in that sense. I think, um, you know, with a, with a Zenyatta, with an Ana, with a Lucio, um, you can, you know, yeah, and Moira, you have a lot of options on on the support side. So I don't think that one will make too big of a difference. But regardless, I like her. So sad to see her go, but she'll be back. And without further ado, I would like to get into the Owl Recap, where we look at all of the previous week's Overwatch League games. I realize that was a bit of a short news segment, but as I mentioned, I covered a lot of the news from this past week on last week's episode so i'm gonna dive right in now this is where the show starts to get a little bit sad if you haven't listened to a lot of episodes or any episodes of this well first of all welcome second i'm a big vancouver titans fan um i started following them in the previous uh previous in the previous overwatch league season um and prior to that, I hadn't actually watched the Overwatch League. So when I started following the league, I basically, you know, I watched a couple of games. I, you know, saw how things went, kind of learned a little bit. Um, and then I kind of looked at the standings and was like, hmm, who are some teams that I want to cheer for? And I was like, well, you know, I'm a Canadian boy. So obviously I want to pick a Canadian team that severely limits my choices because that means we have Vancouver and Toronto. And well, unless you're from Toronto, generally speaking in Canada, you don't cheer for Toronto. So I kind of looked at Vancouver and at the time, I mean, they were top of the league and I was like, hell yeah, I'm in. So, you know, early on, I identified Vancouver and decided to start following them. Um, and obviously, you know, just in relation to how close they are to us and everything and knowing where the league was going and that they wanted to be doing home games and everything like that. Vancouver is obviously the most uh, attainable for me. So became a Vancouver Titans fan. Me and my wife, both of us, you know, got the hoodies, got the hats, got the shirts and everything, um, started following them. And obviously they had a great uh 2018 2019 season um so that was very exciting obviously things didn't pan out with them winning but you know second place is definitely nothing to nothing to scoff at and not too shabby and they did really well so we are very excited to see them return this season and obviously they had a banner start to the season with two wins um you know just like Seoul did and just like san francisco did as well um however we've been waiting to see their return and obviously, after, you know, nine or ten weeks off, uh, they did disappoint big time. Um, but regardless, let me start at the beginning of the matches this weekend, and uh, then I will get into that. So, of course, because I'm, you know, Calgary-based and therefore uh, Mountain Daylight Time, I did not watch the uh, Chinese games. Well, I didn't necessarily um i'll talk a little bit more about that in, in in a minute here but the first game this saturday april 11th was the hangzhou spark versus the chengdu hunters and it looks like looking at the record the spark took it with a 3-0 over chengdu so the match started on nepal where hangzhou capped 2-0 moved on to hollywood where hangzhou took it 3-1 moved on to hanamura where hangzhou took it 2-1 so, you know, without having watched the game, because it was on at 2 a.m. my time, looks to be a fairly decisive win for Hangzhou. You would think that Chengdu uh, wouldn't be any match for Vancouver. But I'll talk about that when I get to the Sunday games. Next game was, again, Saturday, the following game, which at, was at 4 a.m. my time, and I actually set an alarm for, and I actually got up, and I actually wanted to watch this game until I saw the start that it got off to so i started watching it and obviously um you know first round was control um vancouver opened up uh with a cap on the first round and i was very excited to see that and it was all downhill from there the final score wound up being 3-0 for gangzhou which you know 
nothing to scoff at, um, you know, beating one of the top teams. However, looking at Gangzhou's uh, previous record this season, they were sitting at two and three. So I definitely thought that, you know, Vancouver would have the upper hand there. However, you know, maybe they were a little bit rusty. So map one, uh, Vancouver capped the first round and then it went to the next two went to Gangzhou, giving them a one nothing lead. Next round on Eichenwald, Gangzhou took it two to one. Next round on Volskaya, uh, Gangzhou took it two and oh, Vancouver couldn't even cap the first point. So what happened there? Um, really kind of, in my opinion, hard to say. Um, you know, looking at their rosters, um, I mean, I'm the roster, obviously, I'm the most familiar with is the Vancouver Titans. Uh, they had Somansu on DPS and Stitch on DPS. They had Fisher and Janu on tank, and they had Ryujiang and Twilight on support. What happened there? Who knows? You know, uh, support lineup was, was what we would expect. Uh, tank line was what we would expect for the most part. And DPS is, was not unexpected. Um, however, I think a lot of people were wondering where Hacksaw was. Um, you know, we had been seeing, at least in the, the opening weekend and everything, we saw Ryuji Hong on Ana with uh, Fisher on Reinhardt and Hacksaw on Genji, and the nano boost on the Genji, and we saw it cleaning up. So I think that was one question that everybody was asking, was where is Hacksaw? Um, do I have an answer for that? Obviously not. I have no idea what happened there, but, uh, you know, too bad to see that loss because I was very much looking forward to that game. You know, there's something exciting about getting up at 4 a.m. to watch a game, even though you, you know, you have a young child who will be up early in the morning and, you know, you stayed up late because you're a dummy and you should have gone to bed earlier. But anyways, disappointing to see that, but good job, gangs out. Moving on from there, the games I actually did watch at 2 p.m., uh, Calgary or Mountain Daylight Time on Saturday, April 11th. First game in the afternoon was Philadelphia Fusion versus the Paris Eternal. Exciting game here because obviously both of those teams had great records so far. I think at the time Philadelphia was, well, after Vancouver's loss, that Philadelphia moved up to second, sorry. And then I think Paris was sitting in fifth, and I think that's actually where they are now. But um, when things started off, it was seemed like a really evenly matched game. I'll pull up the breakdown just so we can quickly go over that. Um, so it wound up going to Philly 3-2. to two. Um, However, the first two maps, Ilios and Hollywood, both actually went to Paris. Um, Paris was really looking quite strong. Um, you know, I take notes while I watch the games, and a couple things I, I wrote down here, two really evenly matched teams, and that was in the beginning. It really seemed like they were going back and forth. Um, if you look at the score, how things net out on Ilios, you know, Paris had two, Philly had one, so it's not like it was one-sided. If you look at Hollywood, both teams got three, Paris got the fourth point in overtime. So, by all means, both teams looking really good. You could, I, I think you could tell Paris was stretching themselves a little bit, um, which makes sense. You know, Philly obviously was sitting higher in the standings. You, you kind of expect Philly to have a little bit more, um, you know, in their pocket kind of thing. But by all means, Paris was, Paris was taking them to task and really challenging them. So it looked really good. Um, oh, one thing to note in that, uh, during that Ilios map, actually, Carpe on Philadelphia became the first player in league history to reach 600 solo career kills. So that's very exciting. And, you know, round of applause. That's my soundboard. Hopefully that didn't sound terrible. Let me try it back here. That might be a little better. I'm not really sure. Hopefully that didn't sound awful. But anyways, um, uh, round of applause for Carpe because uh, obviously he's one of the one of the greats in the in the league right now, and obviously he's doing extremely well. Um, another thing, sorry, my dog just shook in the background. Another thing that was great to see, um, not only in this match, obviously in all the games, is Lucio coming back after uh, being banned last week. So that was exciting because I think Lucio is one of the more entertaining uh, characters to choose from and to see. After that, um, you know, a couple things I noted. Um, we're seeing a lot of May again now that she's back, which makes sense because Blizzard is just so powerful. Um, we're seeing lots of variety on DPS. And this obviously not just for this game, but for all the games. We're seeing a lot of DPS variety, I think. We're seeing, you know, Widow, we're seeing McCree, we're seeing Torbjorn, we're seeing Hanzo, we're seeing May, obviously, like I just mentioned. Um, we're even seeing, you know, a little bit of Ash, which is, which is totally exciting, so... 
So yeah, um, back to this game in particular though. Paris took the first two maps, and then after that, moving on to Paris in map three, uh, Philly started to mount a bit of a comeback. And I actually, you know, Philly did well in Hollywood. Obviously Paris did a little better and got that fourth point. However, I think Hollywood is kind of where you did start to see towards the end Paris slipping a little bit. And then I think Philadelphia really took advantage of that. And obviously in map three on Paris, Philly went two and one. And then map four was Dorado. And uh, Philly went two and one again. And then on Oasis, again, two and one for Philly. So I think towards the end of Hollywood is where you saw Paris start to slip. And then after that, I think Philly just took over, took the reins, and uh, and completed the reverse sweep. So good for them. Um, good for them, too bad for Paris, um, especially because Paris would have moved up in the standings. Looking at where things netted out, I, from what I recall, I don't think Paris did move in the standings. I think they were fifth and they're still fifth. They might have gone from sixth to fifth, but anyways. Moving on from there, uh, the next game was Houston versus Boston. I actually didn't catch this game. Um, I don't remember what I was doing. I just got busy with something. But it went the way of Houston, 3-1. to one. So Houston, you know, picking up those wins where they need to. Um, Houston, obviously, towards the beginning of the season, had struggled a little bit, but uh, I think they're kind of coming into their own. They're kind of figuring things out, so good for them. I'll go into the match summary just to break it down a little bit. Um, first round, Lee Jang Tower, Houston took it 2-0. and oh. Second round is the only round Boston won um, on Hollywood, taking it 2-1. to one. Volskaya went the way of Houston, 2-1. to one. And then Route 66 actually went to Houston, 1-0. and oh. So Route 66, you know, maybe a little more evenly matched than the other ones. Um, just because Houston, I mean, only got to the first point. But at the same time, Boston couldn't even get there. So, you know, nothing too exciting there. But good for Boston. I mean, so, <laughs> sorry, not good for Boston. Good for Houston. Um, exciting to see them. And you know what? They might just end up one of our big winners at the end of the weekend. Next and final game on Saturday was the Washington Justice against the Dallas Fuel. Now, fun game to see. Um, they were both low in the rankings. And you know what? Just like uh, Houston and Boston were, obviously. I think between those two games, those four teams were bottom of the league. So in this one, we had Washington versus Dallas, and Dallas 3-0 and Washington. Now, towards the beginning of the season, I actually was... Um, not necessarily impressed, but Washington had picked up a few wins, whereas Dallas had not, and I, I certainly would have put my money on Washington. I thought they were the better team, but um, in the preceding weeks, we obviously haven't seen Dallas play as much as we've seen Washington, and it could, you know, largely be the matchups, but Dallas right now is sitting two wins and three losses with a total of five games, whereas Washington is two wins and seven losses for a total of nine games. So Washington has played four more games than Dallas, but they've lost four more games than Dallas. So Washington certainly not looking great right now. Dallas, on the other hand, hopefully on the upswing. Um, you know, I'm not necessarily a fan of Dallas, but I think I could be. Um, we'll see how they do. Uh, map 1 went to Dallas, 2-0. Map 2, uh, sorry, that was Ilios. Map 2 on Numbani went to Dallas 3-2. And Hanamura went to Dallas 2-1. Um, so, you know, in a 3-0, in a nothing too exciting there. Or nothing too unexpected there, I suppose. But overall, the takeaway that I got was that Washington is really sliding. And that's that's really a problem for them. That they're really going to struggle, you know, if they're, if they're losing against some of those formerly bottom of the pack teams um it's it's not looking great for them especially with how many games they do have under their belt compared to some of these other teams that don't have many under their belt and are you know already climbing higher than them moving on from there sunday april 12th easter as well as my wife's birthday happy birthday sweetie if you're listening love you um the first game of the day 2 a.m my time was the Chengdu Hunters versus the Vancouver Titans. Again, I set an alarm for this. I got up. I actually watched the first round. I was pleased with the results of the first round. I was almost pleased with the results of the second round. It was so close. And then once we got to the third round, I um, I felt like I could see the writing on the wall at that point. So ultimately, it went to Chengdu 3-1 to one for Vancouver. So another disappointing showing from the Vancouver boys. Map one was Busan, and it went 2-0 and to Vancouver. Um, so, you know, Vancouver was definitely playing 
a bit of an interesting game, I thought. Um, you know, again, they had Stitch and Somansu, Fisher, Janu, Slime, and Twilight. So same lineup as before. Um, again, being the question, where is Haxall? But who knows? But the interesting part I felt was Janu on on Zarya. Um, Fisher was on Reinhardt, Janu was on Zarya. And I was really questioning that because I think the meta for this weekend that was really working for most teams was a double shield meta. The only problem with that is we all know that in the finals uh, last season, that's what Vancouver really struggled with. Obviously, they dominated in the GOATS meta, um, and then as things changed to the 2-2-2 roll lock, and as uh, Sigma was introduced and it became a Sigma Orisa, Sigma Orisa meta, it really, that's when you kind of saw Vancouver maybe slip a little bit. Um, you know, obviously they still dominated, they still won where they needed to, but I don't think they were anywhere near as strong as, you know, certain other teams at that meta. So maybe that's why they had Zarya instead of, uh, you know, Sigma or, or something like that in the off-tank kind of role. But regardless, um, I was questioning it. And then, you know, they won that first round and I said, okay, I won't question it. On to map two, Eichenwald, where Chengdu wound up taking it two to one. This one was really interesting because Vancouver was, you know, a sliver away from taking this match. Um, it really looked like at the end... Um, they were, you know, Chengdu was about to only get it, um, you know, one and, and change or whatever. Vancouver had stopped them, but then Chengdu switched over, I can't remember who their off tank is, but to Wrecking Ball, and he ran it onto the point, uh, the payload, and he managed to walk it right in, basically walk it right into uh, the second checkpoint there, um, which is how they wound up taking it. I think Vancouver had kind of, you know, at that point written it off and said yay we've won and then they shocked them with that the rest of the team caught up and that was that and as i mentioned it was all downhill from there uh over on Vol volskaya we saw chengdu take it two to one and then route 66 we saw chengdu take it three to one so again you know vancouver really struggling to make much happen there obviously they got to the first checkpoint on route 66 and then Chengdu, you know, managed to take it to all three, take it right to the end. So another disappointing showing from Vancouver and very sad to see. You hate to see it, especially if you're a Vancouver fan. Moving on from there, the games I actually... Oh, never mind. I haven't even got through the second Chinese game. So the second Chinese game that occurred was the Shanghai Dragons versus the Gangzhou Charge. And again, I did not catch this game. This was another 4 a.m. game. But um, Shanghai continuing their tear and their dominance of, over the uh, the Asian teams. So Shanghai, um, you know, again, another 3-0. If I'm not mistaken, I think, I don't know if they've lost a single map yet. Oh, okay, they have. They've lost a few maps. I'm looking at their record. They're 12-4-0. So they've had no ties, and they've but they've only lost four maps. So they're looking really strong right now. Um, and again, you know that could just be because they're primarily it's a lot of the four same four or so teams playing each other right now. So hopefully we see things mixed up a little bit there. But regardless, they three and zero the gangs out charge. So it looks like this: Ilios two to one for Shanghai, Hollywood two to one for Shanghai, and Paris four to three for Shanghai. So you know, again, maybe maybe uh, Gangzhou had Shanghai quaking in their boots when they both uh, managed to get all three points on Shanghai there, but obviously, um, or on Paris there, sorry, but obviously Shanghai was the one that was able to cap that fourth and took it all. Um, so I very much would like to watch one of those games uh, one of these days. Um, but anyways, Shanghai looking pretty right now. The first game of the Sunday that I actually got to catch, of course, was the Houston Outlaws versus the Toronto Defiant. Now, let's pull up the match details for that guy. Um, it was a, a an exciting match um, against two, I would say, relatively even teams. Um, you know, they've got a little bit of disparity between the number of games played, but their records are almost the same. And, you know, if... So it, it went the way of Houston. It wound up being 3-2 um, with a reverse sweep for Houston. However, um, you know, looking at their records, if Toronto had won and Houston had lost, it would have been an exact swap 
in terms of placement um, for them. So, you know, call it a bit of a rivalry right now, but a rivalry for the standings, really, just because they're both trying to climb. So, um, first map went to the Toronto Defiant, 2-0. and oh. um, And at this point, Toronto was looking relatively strong. Um, you know, it was a little bit of an interesting picks for both of their starting lineups um, in terms of characters played. So, Houston actually went with um, Linkser on Hanzo, and Dante on May. Um, and then Toronto went Logics on Torb and Agilities on May. So this is actually something that I recently learned. We're seeing a lot of the Asian teams play is a Torb as one of their DPS, um, especially with these shield, uh, double shield metas when we have, um, you know, someone, uh, someone like a powerful off tank like D.Va banned um, or banned, whatever, in the hero pool. So anyways, um, it was exciting to see that, and I think, you know, to start things off, Toronto was really playing Houston. Houston looked a little all over the place. Um, Toronto looked like they were taking taking control of things really well. And obviously, you know, on Nepal, they took it 2-0, so they did well there. Over on Numbani, again, 2-0 for Toronto. Um, Numbani was actually really fun to watch um, because they brought Surefour in. He didn't play on the control map, but they brought Surefour in, and he actually played Ash which, you know, in my opinion, not a character we see played at this level very often, but was a ton of fun to watch. Um, he actually, you know, there was, there was one play in particular where he was up, um, they were protecting point A before it becomes the payload, and uh, he did this move where he hopped across the gap from the sort of uh, closer to the defending team spawn's upper area. He hopped the gap over to the I guess attacking team's upper area and he used the uh, sawed off move to kind of give himself a bit of a blast over there and then he threw Bob into that choke hallway to really push back Houston and uh, you know maybe it's just me but I hadn't seen that play before and I thought that was pretty cool so lots of fun to see that. Moving on from there we went to Paris where Houston actually wound up taking it three to two um, and, you know, I again, I thought it was a pretty even round. I didn't necessarily think Houston really outplayed Toronto, but maybe that's where Toronto started slipping. Um, especially once we got onto Rialto, that's where I really thought you saw Houston kind of take things over. Um, Dante played on Tracer for a little bit there for Houston. And, you know, Toronto really struggled with it for a bit. They did manage to break it eventually, but Dante on Tracer was, man, he was looking chef's kiss, you know. And then finally, uh, that obviously with Houston taking that 1-0, and pushed it to a map 5 on Li Jiang Tower, and at that point, Houston just dominated 2-0. and um, So again, another reverse sweep for the weekend. Moving on from there, we saw another Philadelphia game, and this time, you know, another not disappointing Philadelphia game. Philly against Atlanta this time. Um, so, you know, play, Philly playing against Paris, Philly playing against Atlanta, not an easy weekend for them. Atlanta was sitting uh, relatively high in the standings, and still is, and so was Paris. Um, and, you know, looking at both games, uh, or both matches, they were both uh, a little bit scrappy and, you know, a good fight for Philadelphia. However, in both cases, Philadelphia came out on top. So against the Atlanta Reign, Philadelphia won it 3-2. to two. Um, and the match went a little something like this. Uh, let's see. On Busan, Philadelphia took the first round 2-1, to one, um, but it was fairly even, honestly. Both teams in the beginning looked really great. Hollywood, Philadelphia took it again, bringing it 3-2. to two. And then on Hanamura, um, that's when Atlanta kind of really seemed to start applying the pressure, or maybe, you know, just learning how to counter Philly a little bit better. Um, one thing that cannot be understated about all of this is Carpe is just too good. Um, I think I talked about him already in Philadelphia's last game on, on the Saturday there. But man, Carpe is just crushing it these days and totally fun to watch, uh, watch him play. He actually, in this match, he became the first player to reach 4,000 final blows. So in the previous one, he was the first player to reach 600 solo kills. And in this one, 4,000 final blows. So just breaking records all over the place. Regardless, um, once we got to Hanamura, we saw Atlanta kind of seem to pull up their pants, put on their big boy socks, and, and start to take things over. They took it 1-0. and And then on Dorado, Atlanta managed to take it 3-0. and um, Philadelphia could not get anything going here. 
and it looked like we were uh, buckling in for yet another reverse sweep. Um, and that's when it got pushed to two round, five rounds, sorry, obviously. And we went to Ilios, where, unfortunately for Atlanta fans, Philadelphia took it two to one. So again, Philadelphia, you know, really shaping up in the end. Um, you know, it kind of seems to me like a pattern we're seeing is either Philadelphia starts off really good, drops in the middle, and then comes back. Or they start off really bad, and then they come back. So not really bad, because by all means, they're one of the top teams right now. But anyways, an exciting match, no less, and obviously a successful weekend for Philadelphia. Third and final match of the weekend was the San Francisco Shock versus the LA Gladiators. So again, you know, last weekend we saw San Francisco getting revenge on the Los Angeles Valiant um, after they beat them the weekend prior to that. And this weekend, we got to see San Francisco having a rematch with the LA Gladiators, the other team that beat them that same weekend they lost to the Valiant. So, this time around, it went the way of San Francisco 3-0. and That said, that is not at all a slight against the Los Angeles Gladiators, because it really did look like a very close game. Every round seemed like the Los Angeles Gladiators were putting up the fight of their life, and it could have gone either way if a few things had kind of lined up a little differently. So on control, um, on Ilios, it went to San Francisco 2-1. to one. I really thought LA had a great start. Um, however, San Francisco uh, wound up taking the first or wound up taking the round um, after losing the first uh, map on Ilios. Um, and then from there, Eichenwald 4-3 for San Fran and Volskaya 3-2 for San Fran. So LA really did seem like they were, you know, rising to the challenge, if you will, um, you know, stepping up against San Francisco. Um, however, the big thing that I'm noticing, um, LA, I'm actually a big fan of this season. I think they're doing a lot of great things. They're making a lot of great moves. I think they do have some tough matchups for them, um, but I'm really enjoying them so far. San Francisco, on the other hand, and this isn't just because I'm a San Francisco hater, although I am, um, because they're obviously big rivals of Vancouver. But the big thing I'm noticing about San Francisco is they obviously still have a lot of very technically skilled players. Um, it seems like, you know, it's, I don't know, I, I'll bring up Sinatra, even though he didn't play this weekend. Um, but Sinatra can play certain characters exceedingly well. Obviously, Doomfist, which we saw at the end of uh, last season. Um, I know he can play Tracer extremely well. Um, so now, you know, we're seeing, let's say, Striker... Um, on the DPS role, as well as uh, uh, Rascal on the DPS role. Um, or in this case, we saw Anz on the DPS role, which was actually really exciting to see Anz. He was uh, he was an exciting player, that's for sure, um, to watch this weekend. Um, and, oh, and Architect, actually. We're seeing Architect often as well. But it seems like they have a lot of these players that are really good at the characters they play, or, you know, a handful of characters even, which is great. But it doesn't seem like they're playing either as much as a team as they were last season or as much um, as much to the meta, I guess, would be the best way to put it. Um, it really seems like, and I actually just watched an interview with Super on, uh, on San Francisco's Instagram just prior to recording this, and Super actually says that, you know, in their previous games where they lost to the Valiant and the Gladiators, they didn't really understand the meta that week, and he was saying he thinks they did a lot of work to understand the meta this week better. And I almost would, you know, uh, I'm sitting here in my, you know, I'm an armchair expert here, right, uh, you know, um, but I almost, it felt a lot like this weekend, they still didn't. Um, they just managed to pick the characters that allow them to be as technical as they are. And because of that, they're able to come out on top. I feel like towards the end of last season, and, you know, obviously in each stage of last season even, we saw them operating as such a unit. And yes, a lot of that was GOATS, where, you know, 3-3 means you have your three shields, you have your three supports. Um, and they do have to work together a lot. But even as they went into the 2-2-2, two, 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 it felt like everyone playing their part really well. And it almost feels like now, yes, they have two tanks. Yes, they have two DPS. Yes, they have two support. But now it feels like they have two really good support that prop up the rest of them. And the rest of them just kind of do what they do, and they do it super well. 
And that's that's that, which is great. But I think you see a team like maybe Philly or, you know, even Paris, um, you see them operating as a unit a lot more, working in unison with each other. And I think that's kind of something we're missing a lot from San Francisco right now. Um, and don't get me wrong, you know, I don't cheer for San Francisco, but obviously I can appreciate the skill of their players and uh, and the prowess of the of them as a team. So I'm sure it's just a matter of them, you know, figuring it out and figuring out how to change things week to week. Um, but it almost seems like, you know, we're not quite seeing the same San Francisco that we have seen before. And I know I've talked about that before, so maybe they're just kind of finding their footing a little bit still. Um, you know, they've only played five games. Um, and, and I mean, to that effect, Vancouver, obviously I'm a fan of them, and they've only played four games. They're now at a 50-50 record, but regardless that's how things netted out for san francisco and the los angeles gladiators this weekend so that was everything this weekend now the next part of the show that i like to do is of course called the big winners big losers so this is a part where i like to look at the previous or yeah i guess the previous weekend's matches and take a look at who played first of all more than one game in the you know weekend or, or grouping of games that occurred and if they played more than one game who either won all their games or more than one i guess or lost all their games or more than one so this weekend the big winners of the weekend were the philadelphia fusion who won two games obviously saturday and sunday um big wins for both of the uh for both those games because it was paris and uh atlanta both teams that were looking to climb the standings and uh it would have been a big win for either of those teams but regardless they both went the way of philly so good job philly and then of course uh another big winner of the weekend was the houston outlaws um it's uh good to see them climbing now because obviously they struggled at the beginning of the season but uh exciting for them no less now, unfortunately, I have the displeasure of talking about the big losers this time around. So the big losers this weekend, the only one team that was big losers, were the Vancouver Titans. Moment of silence. Pour one out for my homies. Anyways, moving on from there. Sad to see that, but hopefully they can put on their big boy socks, pull up their pants, and they can uh, pull out some wins in their next games. So the final segment of my show is called Owl Flying At Ya, where we look at the next week's upcoming games. So I'm not going to go too into depth in uh, with these games. Um, however, it, I do want to bring them up because it actually is interesting because we're spreading out the games a little bit more. So we're not going to have quite as many on Saturday and Sunday um, as we have been having these past couple weekends, and I'm not sure why that is. But, um, you know, maybe with the online format, we're going to go back to seeing things a little differently than, uh, or a little more similar, I guess, to uh, Season 2, the previous season of the Overwatch League. So, our first game of the weekend actually is going to happen on Thursday, April 16th, at 5 p.m. Mountain Time, and we will see the Atlanta Rain take on the Washington Justice. Um, the safe money for this one obviously goes to Atlanta. The second game of uh, that day, actually, so another Thursday game, this time two hours later at 7 p.m. approximately, will be the Los Angeles Gladiators against the Los Angeles Valiant. So a battle for L.A. there. So that'll be an exciting game to see um, with both teams, you know, uh, doing okay this season. You know, both teams have two wins. Uh, the Valiant have four losses. The Gladiators have three losses, but the Valiant have played one more game than them. So a big deal for both of those teams, um, and we'll be exciting to see who comes out on top there. Then on Friday, another 5 o'clock game, uh, 5 o'clock Mountain Time on Friday, we have the Florida Mayhem playing against the Paris Eternal. So it's been a few weeks since we saw Florida, um, and I always cheer for Florida when I can because I like their logo and I like their colors and I like their team. Um, but uh, I largely suspect we'll see Paris come out on top there. Second game on Friday at 7 p.m. is the Boston Uprising against the Toronto Defiance. So another uh, must-win for Toronto, especially after uh, their loss against Houston. Um, definitely a must-win for Boston if they want to do anything this season. However, I'm going to say that it's going to go the way of Toronto. 
Next game, another Friday game. So three Friday games, 9 p.m. approximately, will be the Dallas Fuel against the San Francisco Shock. So that'll be a big deal for Dallas. Um, obviously kind of one of their big tests. Um, safe money goes to San Francisco, especially with how they've seemingly turned things around. But, you know, I'll cross my fingers for Dallas and hope for the best for them. Moving on from there, Saturday at 2 a.m. Oh, so it sounds like I'm going to miss all the games this weekend. So, it, you know, scheduling sucks, but whatever. 2 a.m. Saturday, we have the Chengdu Hunters against the Gangzhou Charge again. Um, so Chengdu currently sitting in 16th with 2 and 4, and Gangzhou sitting in 11th with 3 and 3. So not a ton of disparity between the two teams. Um, that match, in my mind, could go either way. After that, at 4 a.m. my time, we have a Shanghai Dragons playing against the Hangzhou Spark. So again, I'm sure we'll see Shanghai come out on top. Um, you know, who knows really, but I'm going to guess that we will. Although Shanghai and Hangzhou both seem to be the top, um, you know, outside of Seoul, the top Asian teams there. So both teams looking well, but Shanghai looking even better. So probably I would say another win for Shanghai. Then Sunday at 2 a.m., we have the Gangzhou Charge against the Hangzhou Spark. Um, so that'll be a rematch of uh, one of these past weekends. And, uh, you know, both teams not too separated in the standings right now. Hangzhou with three wins, two losses, and Gangzhou with three wins, three losses. So that'd be a big deal for Gangzhou to take that one and climb the standings a little bit. However, it would also be a big deal for Hangzhou to take, one, take that one and climb a little bit farther from Gangzhou and Chengdu, obviously. And then final game on Sunday there will be the Chengdu Hunters against the Shanghai Dragons. Um, so, you know, this one, a little bit more disparity between them with Shanghai in 4th and Chengdu in 16th. However, you know, Shanghai, 4 wins, 1 loss. Chengdu, 2 wins, 4 losses. Um, you know, not, there still haven't been a ton of games played. Shanghai's played 5, Chengdu's played 6. So, you know, a lot of this stuff is still waiting to kind of see where it all lands so anyways it will be exciting uh weekend especially because we have games on thursday friday saturday and sunday even if uh, i personally will probably miss most of those saturday and sunday games but regardless an exciting weekend in overwatch so that brings us to the end of the show um so i think i'll wrap things up now so this was One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast, a podcast where we dive into everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. As I mentioned at the top of the show and on every show, I am Sir Dr. JM. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, wherever you want to find me, at Sir DRJM. Please follow me. Please reach out to me. Please send me questions, comments, concerns, whatever you want, and I'll talk about them on the show. Twitter is probably the best outlet for that. You can get this on Apple Podcast Services everywhere you would like to. And hopefully one day I'll get around to getting it on other podcast services. Once again, you know, please like, subscribe, share, all that jazz, and follow me. But I will sign off for now, and I'll catch you next week. <laughs>